back. This is part two with Chris Vernon on the Old Ego Podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Oakley. Uh, this show has been a lot of fun. Um, this episode in particular, Chris, uh, we kind of dug a bit deeper into, you know, Better Half itself and, like, everything Better Half. Um, we talked a lot of shit, uh, a couple of laughs, cancelled ourselves at the end. Yeah, classic stuff, really. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of the show, check us out on socials, like, preferably Instagram and stuff. Check out Chris uh, on his website, I guess, and give him money. Um, he shouts that out at the end. Yeah. Anyway, this is the podcast Two of Two with Chris. Shock Records has like different wings or like parts of the label depending on what your genre is. So, Half Cut Records was the part of Shock Records that was like the smaller heavy band. So, there was, I think Caulfield was on that label as well. Mm. Um, and one other band that, oh, um, Awaken I Am, I think were on that label as well for a phase, um, which now they're fucking, they're fucking great, dude. They're like artery recordings and they're killing it in the States. And Jimmy Alexander works with like the front, the front man of that band now. Like he's like an incredible engineer from the middle of butt fuck nowhere in Melbourne. Like it's so sick. He's like, he worked with slaves. His streams have like, he's on like the URM podcast. It's insane. Anyway, that's like a whole fucking other thing. Um, so, Half Cut Records, um, we pitched that record for fucking, like, a year, dude. Like, uh, UNFD was a very, like, we were so set that UNFD, I mean, like, no hate on UNFD, but we were just, like, those kids that was, like, UNFD is, like, the best label in the world. There was no Grayscale Records. It was basically just, like, UNFD in Australia were a bust, basically. And, like, Resist hadn't, they wouldn't, they didn't reply to any e- emails we sent. Um, Logman was, like, keen because we already had, like, a little bit of a following, and it was like the, oh, maybe I could take a risk on this. And we'd like, we would like organize meetings and then like we had to postpone something and then like he'd postpone. And we like tried to organize like three meetings with, uh, I don't know if his name's like Lodgman, Logman, but Luke from UNFD. We'd like yeah. organize a bunch of things and, and, and it never really happened. And uh, a year after we sent it, like we sent it to some US labels as well. We had some friends from that we'd met in America that pitched to some labels. I actually remember... I met Tyler from Being as an Ocean oh, and he you. was like, and, and, and we'd become friends with him and Joel because we came back from America and they were playing at Workers Club and I like was talking to them and Goldman was like, oh, this band called Being as an Ocean's coming in in like three months. I was like, dude, I love that band. So when I saw them, I was like, yo, I was just a glow in the dark in the States and Goldman said, you guys are going there in like three months and Joel was like, brother yeah that's so sick so we like came friends we followed each other on instagram we're talking shit and joel's like the sickest dude man like i fucking love joel from being as an ocean and like tyler's kind of like the business guy of the band and he was like bro when you get the final send it to me like if it's sick i'll send it to fucking like they were on epitaph records i think mm. on epitaph records he's like no not epitaph fucking oh they're on a label i can't remember what it is i had like closure in moscow and shit on it anyway but he was like yeah i'll send it to them yeah and we'll like we'll like scope it and see if they're interested because he was like had signed a couple of bands to that label um and we sent it and he was like he was like i'm trying they don't really seem keen i just think it's like even though he recorded it with goldman it's like it's just not like their thing or like maybe it's just like not good enough still ultimately like i was like pretty chiller with the criticism kind of thing um and then, so we pitched it for ages and it wasn't until we sent it to a Canadian label that are called, oh, fuck, what are they called? Per- 
Peripheries on that label. Anyway, it's like this Canadian label that does mm. like bands like Periphery and stuff for Canada. It's like the distribution and like licensing label. And they were like, this is mad, but you need to get a deal in Australia first and we'll sign off the Australian deal. And yep. he's like, so he's like, I have an in with Shock Records. And we were like, oh, we sent the record to Shock Records. They didn't reply. And he's like, that's sick. So he called Mick from like Mick Tarbuck, who now does his own label, who was the head of Shock Records. Well, the, the head of Half Cut. It was like, there's this Bellhaven album on your desk that's been there for like nine months. I want you to listen to it today. And he was like, all right. And he's like, it's really fucking good. So Mick listened to it, like to it and was like, I know you sent this to me like nine months ago, but this record's sick. And I want to sign you because the Canadian label wants to sign you. And I was like, sick. So I did a deal with Half Cut. We had a meeting and they made us an offer for like an advance and all these things. And like, we didn't know a lot of like label stuff. We were still super new to it. We'd, we'd never been on a label. So yeah. we learned, it's one of those things like you learn so quick because it's such an intense thing. You suddenly like, it's one of those things of like what you think you know about the music industry is not even close to like the way the public thinks. Like 99% of people have no idea how the music industry works. Like you hear these things about like, like Dream on Dreamer with Rise Records, like, oh, they signed to Rise and they sound, they changed their sound. It's like, dude, they wrote that record and then Dream on Dreamer, like Rise Records was just one of the labels that heard it out of like the 20 they sent it to and Rise were like, yeah, we'll sign this. And so they sign it and everyone's like, Rise Records changed Dream on Dreamer. It's like, that's not how it works, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't know where that concept came from. Like in like 99.9% of cases, the label has no, like nothing to do with the sound direction of the band. They just like, yeah. if they don't like it, they won't release it on the label. They'll yeah. be like, well, we're not releasing it. I mean, it's, it's like, like you can way just way too in, like, much effort to go through that process of being like, yeah. oh, yeah, change is change at on a band that ultimately is going to net the label like somewhere in like the realm of like yeah. $50,000 across its lifespan yeah. of the record. Yeah. And so I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, bro, I have no idea how the music industry works. Like, because I'd been doing the band for like three years. I was like, bro, I know so much. And I was just like, I have no idea. Literally, even like in the past like year, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning shit. And I'm like, bro, like, and so many bands I work with, like, those like, like, cringy dudes that are like the metal heads and they think they know what's going on. They're like, oh, this band sold out because there's like drum samples on the snare. It's like, dude, every like A-list record that you've loved since the 90s has had like a kick sample, bro. Like, get over yourself, dude. It'll be like, oh, the label made them like go in a rock direction. It's like, dude, that doesn't happen to most bands. The label just either says yes or no or, or suggests like, we'll pay for if you work with this producer. But, but they're not like, this is the sound you're doing. Because mm. if the band doesn't want to do it, unless it's in their contract, they don't have to do it. Exactly. Anyway, that's a sidetrack thing. That's a sidetrack thing. No, uh, half good. Cut, we signed- I learned all this shit about it. It was like very quickly, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so they gave us like an official offer and we, and we like, de- like debated a bit with a lawyer. And then when we had the proper offer and we were happy with it. We sent it to, we like told UNFD what the offer was. And Luke was like, I still love the band, but this is way better than any offer I would have sent to you. He's like, so I would recommend you go with Half Cut. And then the Canadian people were like, yeah, we get to sign this fucking Australian band. So we signed with Half Cut and the, and I feel so bad because that dude from the Canadian label was so sick, but we didn't have much. I, I think they were like, it wasn't nuclear. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But that guy was sick and the label was sick. Like they didn't have a lot to do with this, but he was like, had such a good attitude and he actually tried. Mm, he gave um, a shit about you. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's like, when you're in the music industry, man, you and you meet some shit people that just use you, like, you really appreciate people that aren't shit, man. Like, yeah. even if they don't do much for you, the fact that they try is like, like, so nice. Mm. Anyway, so that happened. And then the record sold nowhere near as good as the label expected. The, the label thought that we were going to be like the next big thing. They were convinced we were going to be like the next North Lane. And so many people thought that we were going to be the, like the next big thing. But like, this was like industry people, but actual audience was like, sounds like three bands in one. And I was kind of like, Oh, I kind of hear that. Like, I didn't really write a lot for that record. I'd written most of the stuff coming up to that record. And then I wrote like two songs on that record, like three songs. And the rest mm. of it was like a collaboration between everyone. And everyone wanted to do different things. And everyone wanted to do this like crazy experimental record. And I'd had writer's block from burnout from being an audio engineer. And then th- that label went to shit. It changed label head. And then like fucked up things happened. We like got the we got off of that Norma Jean tour like it was just like such a fucking mess for so long man like Mm. it was such a mess like it was like a fuck we spent like 30 grand Australian on this record like we signed to a label everyone's like it's done better than the last stuff but there's like this weird divide in the fan base where everyone's like you were a metalcore band now you're like the chariot and then we released the second single which was the looking glass and everyone's like now you're like a shit sayerson and it was just like it was just like such a like we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and, and then so by the way those when- critics go fuck themselves bad <laughs> sin bro i don't i don't compute there's no such thing <laughs> If you do that sound, your band is good, period. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, instantly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I'm such a fucking cringy and fanboy, dude. Like, I mean, listen to, like, Forget Me. It's literally just, like, me trying to do, like, a slightly heavier fucking Sayerson first album. And is it um, not fucking good? <laughs> bro. <laughs> so, anyway, and then the Norma Jean tour happened. And then by this point, it was, like, around the same time that my audio thing my like audio career had like stabilized so as i said it was that domino effect of everything got better and then i was like i'm keen on like this band again like i was like really like emotionally invested in Bellhaven again and i was like okay fuck you guys i'm gonna write an album and we're gonna go record it overseas and we're gonna do what i want to do and it was like a bit of a weird butting heads because for two years i'd like shown like next no interest in the band and so it went from being like my baby to being like everyone's baby to being like me trying to be like this is my baby again you i know, know that i like put it up for adoption and gave it for you but it's my kid again <laughs> everyone's like, like what the ran fuck away. he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a pack of smokes and yeah comes, comes back, back and the kid's 20 and he's like you're yeah, not my yeah. dad <laughs> yeah and i'm like i'll fucking prove i'm your dad cunt. like i was just like i'm your dad and so we butted heads a lot because everyone's like ah this is kind of like real samey and like a bit like bit more generic than the last record. And I was like, but then Goldman, there's something Goldman said that I always still love. Goldman was like, generic doesn't mean bad. He's like, generic means like easy to listen to and like relatable. It doesn't mean bad. He's like, there's bad generic. He's like, but the fact that you attach like a negative, like I guess stigma to the word generic is so bad. Yeah. Um, Why, why am I getting a weird fucking notification on my, I don't know, whatever. Um, anyway, he was like, uh, and so we went there 
And there was like a whole bunch of things that happened where it was like we wrote a lot of that record. I think we wrote four songs before we left for the American tour. And then on the American tour, I wrote like three songs in the tour bus over the space of six weeks. And then we got to the studio, we canned a bunch of them. And it was very much like Goldman's like, Goldman's like, I liked like, Goldman was like, I loved how experimental and different everything ablaze was. It's like, but this is so much more together. And the guys were like, yeah, I actually feel pretty good about this. And then when we were there, it became very much like, um, not that I was like the be all and end all and I knew what it was doing, but everyone was like, okay, Chris has been writing songs for a long time and he's obviously quite good at it. Now he's not in his like depressive writer's block episode that he's been in for two years. And so it was like, I kind of like put in enough effort that the guys like trusted me again. Um, and so it became this like, um, like, you know, by hook or by crook, I didn't really write that. That was like a last minute Tom and David thing that I like put my two cents into, but that wasn't me writing it. But that, but that came from like the, like I'd written a lot of the record and the guys had done some bits and it became this like whole messy thing of like, we're just trying to be a band. We don't know what our image is. We don't know what sound we're doing anymore. Like members had come and gone. We'd had like three member changes in like two years, like, and then Mara joined and Mara like got it because Mara was like a longtime fan. And then when we were in America, James had like a, I mean, like I, I don't want to get like too personal, but James had like an emotional breakdown about stuff that he'd had issues with for like his whole life. And he was like, I don't think I want to do the band thing anymore. And we're like, yeah, that's cool, man. And then Jake Zamet, who had also been like a longtime fan, wanted to play drums. But I was like, because I'd, I hadn't become like the leader of the band at all. Like definitely not like the leader, but in terms of like songwriting and like the musical thing, I was very much like had become more stern and like was confident to make calls. So when Jake wanted to join and we had some practices with him, I was like, Love the dude, love his performance and his passion, but he's not good enough at drums. But then it became like a, it was like, I taught Ramon how to play drums. And like, it's not that I'm like a better drummer than Jake. I definitely wouldn't say like, especially now, but like the guys were like, you can make Jake better. Just spend like a week with him and he'll get way better. So me and him did that. We used to just like, we'd practice with everyone and then we'd run through the set like two more times, just him and like him and I. And I'd just like pump him. I'd be like, you got to do this better. Like you got to hit harder, like all this shit. And he just became like that crazy, like guy that just fucking smashes the kid. And like, I loved playing with Jake. Like he wasn't the tightest, but he hit really hard and he was good enough that like felt good on stage. He had style. And, and so- Dude, yeah, and like, like he's he's pretty like non-existent from social media now. Um, after like the cage existence stuff went to shit, and like just like personal stuff. But like, me and Jake have always been on good terms because we just like, even though I initially didn't want him in the band, and, and I didn't get along with him for the first few months he was in the band, like we became super close because we both that thing I was saying ages like earlier tonight was like he just loves the music and I just love the music as well. But anyway, long story short, like a whole bunch of fuck shit happened. Like a bunch of fuck shit happened. And then slowly I became that guy's like, when we were in the studio, Goldman was like, you need to write four more songs in two weeks. I was like, sick. And so I think you was the last song I wrote. And it was because that day I'd been listening to Counterparts and I was like, bro, Counterparts with clean vocals would be so sick. So I took like the song, like, this is going to be so funny now if, like, anyone listens to this and they know Counterparts. But you is literally, like, I was listening to Witness by Counterparts and was like, bro, if this was, like, post-hardcore, this would be, f- like, well, 
I was like, if this was like post hardcore with way more singing, this would be fucking sick. So I like did my own, like, because obviously the chord progression from Witness didn't really work with singing, but I did my own interpretation in the same vibe of like the do do cut do do cut drum thing and just made it my own version. And like, there's lots of similarities. Like, it's definitely not like a riff, but you can be like, oh, it's just so heavily inspired by that song. Yeah. But it's like, I literally just like wrote that in like two hours and we were like, that's the last song we did, like, done for the record. And it just became like very much like, Chris is the main songwriter again. And then everything just like fell into place. And it went from like two years of just like, we spent all this money, like things like the band's kind of bigger, but the interpersonal thing was just so messy, man. Like personal clashes, like, and it wasn't like there was like some huge bomb controversy that was fucked. It was just like so messy and we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. And then going to America and touring America and seeing like how much harder and insane the shit is over there compared to Australia. We're like, man, Australian bands need to up their game, man. Like, the the, the difference in, like, so much stuff was, like... I mean, like, now you have bands like Alf Wolf and shit that is, like, fucking next level. Like, tightness in there. Everything's so good. But, like, at the time, there were so many bands we saw. There was barely any tight bands. Yeah. Um. So, we're like, we got to play better. we got to perform more crazy. we just got to be, like, way better. Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, we got to get the image. we got to have the good songs. Like, the good mixes. We're like... We tried to find all these good... And we suddenly were just like really driven and we knew what we wanted to do. And that was like to me, like to me anyway, like I am super stoked. Like I would still say my favorite Bellhaven record is You, Me and Everything In Between as like a record. Like if I said my favorite to least favorite, Everything Ablaze is probably actually my least favorite or second least favorite. Maybe Chapter Zero is my least favorite. But it's like You, Me and Everything Between to me is like clearly for me is like I think is our best record. And it's like... We really tried and it was like when the band went from like this cycle of like did really well, didn't know what was going on, definitely didn't know what was going on, everything went to shit to like we actually kind of know what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. And so that was like, it was just two years of like, dude, like it's like, you know, there's that saying of like, um, it's like chasing a moving target or something. You're like always trying to catch something, but you feel like you're getting further away from it. So yeah. It's like we'd like try to do things and we feel like, oh man, actually, there's like some whole other shit that I just remembered. Like the fucking, even with everything ablaze, man. Some of those like issues with I had with like music videos and shit. And there was like, we had issues with like two different video guys. And then it was became this thing like, oh, they're just too difficult to work with. And it's like, man, we just got unlucky because like these two video dudes had personal issues going on. And then we copped the personal issues and we probably didn't deal with it very well because we were still just like idiot kids that didn't know how to socialize because we we're all just fucking gamer nerds. And so it was like a bit of issues on both ends. And then there was some salts. And then I think all that shit's kind of like blown over now, but like, it was just like two years of like it's been stuck in like, like a hard in a hard place, I guess. Like everyone just like Yeah, not- it was like fun, but like very like kind of like on edge all the time, like knowing that there was something bad always happening. Like, <laughs> like a toxic oh, the video is behind the, the sex is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, actually literally that. Like that's a really good analogy for it. Like sex is really great and you enjoy it, but it's the most fucked up relationship and you can't like eat food. You're like losing weight because you're so stressed, <laughs> but you're like the sex is really good, like, and she's crazy. So, it's like, yeah, it's like a really good analogy of just like, it was really good, but really bad. And then it was kind of realizing we came, it's like end of 2015 was very much like, um, oh, there's other people that we can have really good sex with that is not a toxic relationship kind of thing. And it just kind of like, 
came together a bit. Like, and things are, things still never been perfect. And, like, there was, like, a year or two where, like, I, I didn't, like, quit the band, but I actually called off the band for, like, 10 months and, like, 2018 or something like nothing happened and it wasn't like we were like we got because we we hated the whole like oh we're going on an indefinite hiatus thing like not to sh- spit shade at people that do it but we were just like we're just not going to say it and it had been like three months and tom was like oh so we're we gonna do stuff again and i was like bro nah i still have no interest in this band like it was just like a whole bunch of personal shit and like getting a bit older as well like but then Oh, and then like Jake leaving and the guys are trying to do a fucking sound change again. And Grayscale were like, this sound change is too drastic. They're like, it's going to be the same thing with everything ablaze where like, you're going to alienate half your fan base. And I was like, I don't yeah, think we should do this. Like super pop, weren't you? Yeah. We'd, we'd, we'd done a record that was like that mid-tier Fullet Boy where it was like, like when they'd become like, they'd get played on like video hits a bit, but they were still kind of like- a rock band. Yeah. Um, and so we had like, it was just, it was just kind of like, I, I really enjoyed it, but I was like, I wouldn't say this is Bellhaven. It was like, if you, if you progress to it, you could say it's Bellhaven, but it was like, to me, it was too much of a jump. And there was like budding heads with like booking agent and like management and the band, like everyone was budding heads on what was the right thing to do. And then like Jake left. And then I was like, yeah, fair. And then I had like, kind of like a falling out with David a bit. Um, and it wasn't anything like real beefy, like dramatic. It was just like, I was very much just like, this is like too much emotional energy for me. Like I have better half that's like nowhere near stressful and I have my job that I love. And me and Andy just started seeing each other. So I was just like, I don't need this fucking bullshit basically. Yeah. But then now it's fucking sick. And we did forget me. And I was like, bro, like me and Mara wrote forget me in like an hour and a half in like the fucking green room of like our first show back after like a one year break and we were like this is fucking mad dog and then james was like i don't want to be in the band but can i like play drums for you guys again and we we're like bro yeah so like the old drummer which is our older brother like came back after like uh, uh, because because i mean he, he played drums on you mean everything between but then he never performed it live so then he came back and he's like performing the songs that he wrote like three years ago four four years ago and then we were like yeah, let's just go down this this road and Grayscale were like, this shit's fucking sick, dude. And then I was just like, can I just write like a whole record? And the guys are like, yeah. So it's like wrote a record in like two weeks and was like, and they're like, let's just change this, this and this and the record's done. And it was just like piss easy. I was like, fuck, dude, this is what it was like when I was like fucking 17. I just write like 400 songs a year. Like, and so then I was like, oh, well, this is easy peasy. And it reminds like, me of- literally- um- it reminds me of, like, the story of, like, when Underoath got back together, like, oh, yeah, we had, all, like, this personal beef, and then, like, we kind of, like, sorted it out, and we came back, it's like, oh, this is what it's like to be a band again? Fuck, we forgot what that's yeah. like. Yeah. I think the time away from it made you realize that because you kind of get taken by the music industry a little bit, I mean, this this obviously doesn't happen to everyone, but it happened with us, um, and everyone has their own personal experience with, like, the music industry, but, like... I feel like the music industry kind of got to us a bit. Like we felt pressured to be a certain way and we were butting heads on like what the way to be was. Like I was very much like, I was very much like, um, like David loved Brendan Urie and Mara loved Paramore's like, they'd done that um, Hard Times record that had the track Hard Times. Mm. And so they'd seen all that Hayley Williams stuff and Brendan Urie and they started dressing all weird and like behaving really weird. And I was like, 
Bro, you wrote a record about the last like four years of your life and being in psych wards and being in emotional relationships, like like emotionally abusive relationships. And then you're going to get on stage and like smile and laugh and make stupid like, I don't know if I say like lewd jokes, like stupid jokes. I was like, it just feels like disingenuous. And you're wearing like bright pink clothes. And like, I know that people are going to argue like the image thing isn't important, but like, if your band has like a strong message and it's like counterintuitive, you feel like it's just disingenuine. Mm. And it was a huge issue I had. I was like, bro, like the way you behave about this band and the the content and the sound just like doesn't match. And it just became like, for, for me and Jake, we used to just be like, bro, like this fucking band, bro. Like, like we, we get on stage and me and Jake would be vibing. We'd be like real into it. And then you look at David and he was doing some like dance and smiling and he's wearing like bright green socks. And we're just like, I don't know like what I'm feeling, man. Like <laughs> I was feeling like angry about this like song that we wrote and it gives, it makes me want to fucking bang my head and like throw my guitar around. And this guy's like dancing and doing some weird falsetto thing with like, I don't know. It was just like, we like me and Jake were just like, fucking hell dude. And then Jake tracked drums for this single that never got released. It was one of those like Flip Boy pop songs. Yeah. And he was like, Nah, I'm done. And I was like, yeah, bro, fair. And like a few yeah. months later, I was like, nah, I'm done. I wasn't like, I'm quitting the band. I was just like, you guys can keep doing the band without me, but like, I want to at least take a break. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, we'll just take a break. And then it came back and because we'd been removed from it for so long, the guys were like, oh, I remembered that like the reason I made this band was because I wanted to talk about... It was like wanted to do my relationship with that part of myself. Doesn't mean that I don't like death metal. Doesn't mean I don't like pop music. Doesn't mean I don't like fucking getting drunk as fucking dancing to like shitty Russian techno. It just means that <laughs> this band, this is what this band's about. And this is what the message is about. And this is what the sound for us is. And this is what we wanted to do. So let's stick to this project. And the other stuff we want to do, we can do in other projects. And that was where like... Beach Panic was born and David was originally going to do like a solo project. D David and I had done a few solo things and it was like so sick, dude. I, I don't know if I've ever shown you, but like we did this like, a, it was like this piano song mm. um, and him singing it. It was like a lower register and it was fucking so sad, dude, but it was so nice. Mm. I was like, bro, fuck man, this is so sick, dude. And I was like, and now like they feel like they're doing those things in those avenues that Bellhaven can just be Bellhaven, yeah. which is what it always like, not that it always should have been, but it was like, wasn't jumping backwards and forwards all the time. Yeah. And now it became very much like, because I'm still very into that. That's like, in terms of like my personality and what music I love and I guess like the way I feel and what I want to do is like, yeah. it's a very strong part of the person I am. Like the, the way I dress is very based off those bands that I like and things like that. Um, what's for the other guys, it's not like their favorite band. So it's very much like if they don't know what they're doing, it's like, what do you think CV? Because this is like not your forte, but this is what you're into. So as a fan of this style, like what do you think of this? And so it's just like, it's just like, there's no, like, there's no more butting heads. Like we still disagree, yeah. but like after years and years of just like butting heads, member changes, not knowing like what the fuck is going on. Like me, yeah. like leaving the band for like nearly a year. Like it's finally like, oh, I feel like we've like got somewhere with it now. Yeah. Well, you guys kind of like, and I it's guess it's good. in a way it's like an identity crisis and like everyone kind of needs yeah. to like get away to like process, reflect and then come back with like a 
clear like point of view because like you know being a band for like 10 fucking years at like at that at that point like you know you get like in a cycle i guess i mean i i'm i'm just kind of like conjecture it's just a bit of conjecture here at this age but like i know it feels like i know you get into like a, a rut and it's like i don't know to break that it just makes sense that like everyone would be in like a much better headspace to like talk about everything after having time to reflect Mm. I think it's also like the the heat and like the anger you feel towards things and how hooked you get on an idea wears off because you don't think about it and your emotional attachment to ideas and like your emotional anger towards someone kind of disappears as well. Like your, I don't know, you, th- that buttheadedness, like mm. as you said, when you remove yourself from it, you kind of come back with like a clearer head. And so- I know that wasn't exactly what you asked, but I kind of skipped yeah. ahead to that part. I was just like, we're going to get to this anyway, so I may as well just like fucking tell the kind of fucking thing and do the classic CV thing of going on random tangents for like 45 minutes. But <laughs> I mean, you are I'm sure you're good at editing, bro. It's all good. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, cool. So, um, end of doing the Wyman record. Uh, you started to kick things off properly with with uh, Better Half. So Better Half started, I think, after you put out everything ablaze. Like when when did Better Half become a thing? <sighs> I'm really not good with timelines. Um, so I think I've got your Bandcamp up. Hold on, let's have a look. The first single, Reasons to Leave, was 2015. Okay, so that's five years ago. Oh yes, yes, no that 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 is right. Yeah. So was was the question how did bet, uh, better half come about? Well, I, I guess in a way, like I was just kind of asking, like whereabouts that sits in, in the in the timeline <coughs> of, of of CV. But that was like you started that like just before everything ablaze or just after. When did that start? Okay, so I'll give you the dot point and try not to get go on a tangent thing because this is kind of <laughs> interesting without fucking me going on about all my emotional side story stuff so mvd before thornhill was in set the score which was like a pop punk band mm-hmm. and they'd had issues with vocals and at one point mvd had actually asked me to be the vocalist of set the score because i filled in for them for a bit and going back to what i'd said earlier from when i was like 11 and i tried to sing in front of those people at my birthday party because I wrote that song about that girl and then I got really burnt about it. I was like, never thought I'd be a vocalist again. And then just, again, singing, singing every day to my clients made me like way better at vocals. And so from singing to the vocals to set the score, MVD was like, bro, you actually have a sick voice. I was like, really? And like when I had heard the story so far, I was like, I can do that. It's like angry <laughs> yell singing. I was like, I'm going to be Parker Cannon. So I just ripped Parker Cannon off. And so um, what had happened was MVD was like, oh, like, did you want to do vocals to set the score? I was like, oh, it would, it would have to be a side thing to Bellhaven. And he's like, oh, we're looking for someone that doesn't want it to be a side thing. I was like, yeah, that's all cool. But I think MVD had always wanted to do a project with me, like with me singing. And so what had happened was MVD is a huge fan of Basement Citizen, like Heart Attack Man, like all those like like turnover, like all the like classic kind of style that's like in that area. And he'd written a song like that, which is re- which became Reasons to Leave. But he wrote a song like that for Set the Score. And they were like, this is too like slow and sad. Like we want it to be more like just 
faster paced, like classic pop punk. Yeah. Um, but he really loved the songs. It was one of the first times he'd done something in that like direction. And so he was like, yo, he's like, just as like something fun, like, do you write any lyrics? I was like, yeah, kind of. Like I have like rough like notes in my phone um, that I could probably make into a song. He's like, did you want to like just do like a studio project and we'll sometimes do songs. I was like, yeah, that'd be sick. So he showed me the song. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. So he like recorded it with like the guy they'd done the pre-pros for the You Set the Score record with that I recorded, but they did the pre-pros with him. So they'd done it with him. And MVD was like, do you have much time to like edit it and mix it? I was like, no, not really, man. Like, I was like, I'm more than happy to spend a few hours tracking the vocals and just doing like a rough job to just like release. I was like, but I don't like, I have shit to do and I have a job like, and I'm really invested in like a lot of my stuff. I was like, so it's not like really something I can just like easily do. But he was like, yeah, cool. Let's just like, so he came in with the files and we're like, cool. Spent like four hours and we just like recorded and edited reasons to leave. Like- Double track the choruses, no harmonies, no like layers, like nothing like that. This is like the tiny bit of shit because this is the first version. And then I was like, man, I get like a really good feeling from this song. I felt really like into it mm. because I, cause I never really sung on a song that was my own song before that I'd probably written coming from like shit that I felt. I was always trying to like adapt it like a, an artist vision of that and try to like feel that. But it was yeah. never my own thing. And I was like, man, like I can get into this so much and I really feel this. And it was like really exciting. I was like, fuck, this is sick. I was like, I like singing. And then that night we sent it to the engineer and he was like, Guys, this is fucked good. He's like, this is so fu-. And he was like losing his mind. And I showed my girlfriend at the time and she was like, this is fucking insane. And I showed my <laughs> mum and, and and like I showed my mum and she kind of like cried. She's like, I didn't know you could sing like this. Like, and it sounds so like emotive. I was like, oh, this is fucking sick. And then so we did it. He did like a mix. We did like one or two mix of visions. And we were just like, we're just going to make a fucking band camp and like release it. And MVD's like, I'll just send it to the Dreambound guys and see if they like, see if they're keen. And the Dreambound guy was like, Bro, this is fucking sick. Who is this Chris Vernon guy? He can sing. Because obviously I'd had a couple of credits on Dreambound from like yeah. entitlements to the school, like something else as well. And the, the, I was like, man, this engineer guy is a fucking sick singer. So he was like, I want to do it. And then I posted being like a few days from now, me and MVD have done this like studio project. Um, and we spent, we just came up with it. We, we spent like, an, an hour just spinning ideas until we be, until we came up with better half. We had like a hundred vo- like song ideas and we tried to be like, could we do something about like two part thing? And then I don't know how, but like better half was just born of like throwing ideas around for an hour. And we were like, it's kind of cool. And I love it doesn't specifically have any, have both your bands have the fucking initial BH. It's like only. Yeah, to- right. <laughs> and one makes the joke of like, yo, you should make like a fucking obnoxious, like death core band, like infant annihilator and call it, bong hit and I was like (laughs) and all the vocals were like it just sounds like some fucked up bong hit anyway yeah so we like posted about it being like me and MVD are doing this studio project called Better Half it's just me and him we're not gonna play shows we're just gonna like do it every now and again and Josh Muriel was like bro like you you sing like this is before Grayscale like we're full that but we'd we'd met Josh because of like 
Sure uh, everything ablaze yeah and and sure fast lady. he's like yo can i hear the track and of course i just forget that like josh is like a radio dude i'm just like so i send it to him he's like bro can i please premiere this in short fast loud tomorrow i was like i guess so it's, i told mvd he's like bro that's sick i've never had a song played on triple j so i was like i mean like i'd i'd had like bell haven played a few times i was like yeah fucking sick and then so we suddenly change the socials to like oh okay so it's getting premiered on triple j and then it got played and a bunch of just random people were like, that band is fucking sick. You need to play that again next week. And it got like requested for like a month straight just from random people that were listening to Triple J. So it got played for like a month straight, like once per short, fast, That's loud. crazy. And then on Dreambound, people were like, bro, what? And it, like the next day after it came out of Dreambound, I woke up to like 10 to 20 messenger things being like, bro, can I join your band? Bro, can I join your band? And I was just like, what the fuck is going on, <laughs> dude? Like, and like Joel Adams was like, bro, we don't really know each other, but I just moved to Melbourne from Brisbane. Like, I really want to play in your band. And like, one of my old engineer mates that always thought I was kind of like that dorky younger kid that wanted to be an audio engineer was like, bro, I heard your fucking band on Triple J. I need to play guitar in this band, cunt. <laughs> and then we we had a friend that played guitar, which is Ben Gunther or Gunther. I, can't, I, I, I feel so bad because I know Ben for ages now. We're good mates, but I can never fucking say his surname. Oh, right? he's just fucking Benny. Ben G, he's just fucking Benny G. He was like, he was like, yo, like, I know you guys already have guitarists sorted, but like, I'll play bass if you want. And we were like, sick. And like, we we knew he was a really good guitarist. So like, yeah, fucking cool. And then we didn't have anyone contact us about drums. We're like, oh, that's shit. We had like everyone hit us up, but we were just kind of like, kind of being like, actually prior to that, we were like, nah, it's just a studio project. But then like a few days later, we had bang like destroy a line be like hey do you guys want to do a headline show at bang and we were like what the fuck what do you <laughs> think we are we we're like what and then one of those um a week later one of the freezer like things was like oh do you guys want to do like a headline freezer show in like camberwell and we were like what the fuck because it had gotten like a bunch of streams on youtube oh, sorry on, on youtube for the Dreambound. but like everyone gets streams on Dreambound mm. if it's like a half decent song so we were just like dude you have no idea what's going on um, but I think people just loved it so much. They were just like, fuck, like, I know it's not a band, but please, can you play a show? So then what happened was we were like, me and everybody kept being like, nah, sorry, it's just a studio project. And then, um, just like after like three weeks, we just kept getting hounded being like, please tell me you guys are going to do like a record. Like, and it was like so sick. It was like, uh, fuck, like I forgot I because it was purely just like a passion project. Yeah. I love that you got, like, dragged kicking and screaming into this band. It's like, can't, like, this is too good. It's like, please, sir, can we have something? Just, yeah, yeah. Just it's give like, me a drop. Please. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> and we were just like, quum? yeah, yeah. And so we were just like, fuck it. Like, we had fun doing it. We'll just do it. So then we, and so MVD had written a bunch of other songs for this because he got amped on like the response to it and how it came out even before the response he got amped on how it felt so he's like oh, i'm gonna start writing more shit like this he's like i think i'm actually good at writing this style of music and then so i'd written two more like riffs and then me and him i i I'd kind of written rough like demo vocals to it and then we got we went to do a band practice and adam was like i'll do we like agreed to get ben on bass 
and NVD play guitar. And um, my friend Dan, who was like the other engineer dude, was like, oh, yeah, I'll play guitar. And we organized the prac, and he's like, yeah, sick. And then just never turned up to the band practice. That Dan dude never turned up. He, he had a lot of personal family stuff going on, so me and him are still tied. It wasn't like we were like, fuck you, you like let us on. He just like didn't, I didn't hear from him for like three months, and he had some fucked family shit happen. But, um, and then so we ended up being like, Joel had asked us, but um, MVD was like, like MVD's sick because he always says it straight, but MVD had said something like, I don't like his beard or something like that. It was just something like <laughs> MVD was kind of like, was like, was like, I don't know the guy. He's some random dude from Brisbane. I don't even know if he's good at guitar. I like, we know nothing about him except that he's like an audio engineer and MVD is like, I don't like his beard. And I was like, look, fair, whatever. Like we like fair, like we know nothing about him. All we know is that his face looks like that. And MVD is like, I don't like the beard. So I was kind of like pretty harsh and intense. And like Joel would just laugh hearing this, but like, we were just kind of like, look fair. And then like three days later, he posted, on his Instagram doing a full cover of Rest Your Head like perfectly like all the weird chords are like perfect and I sent it to MVD and he's like get him in the band he was like he has to be in the band and I was like sick so I messaged him he's like fuck yeah so I like and he has no car so I like drove into the city picked him up we drove to some shitty fucking rehearsal studio and like whoop whoop and like Adam turns up from Set the School being like oh these these songs are easy as piss compared to Set it's like he's like so easy <laughs> Ben's just playing like simple bass lines MVD wrote the songs Joel already knows rest your head and MVD's like we turn up and we set up and I was like hey like hey Joel I'm CV and like hey Ben I'm CV never met like we'd all kind of heard of each other but we'd never met and then MVD's like sorry I guess we're just gonna jam the one song we have and we're like yeah and so Adam counted it in and we played it through and we finished one playthrough of it and we're like that was like perfect and we're just kind of like you want to jam like two more times? So we jammed like, re- sorry, uh, not rest your head, reasons to leave like two yeah, more yeah. times. We were like, what the fuck, bro? And then MVD was like, did he was like, did you guys listen to the other demos much at all? And they're like, oh, a little bit. And Adam's like, oh yeah, I fucking love those songs. So Adam had already learnt these two other demos MVD had sent him. And Ben was like, oh, I'll, I'll pick it up pretty easy. Just play it and I'll like look a week because Ben plays guitar. So the bass shit for him was easy. And then I went and like took a break, drank some water, was sitting on my phone, came in like 40 minutes later and they'd like learnt the, the other two, two songs. songs. Yeah. And I had like rough demos. So we just like jammed the other two songs roughly and we we're like, fucking sick. What the fuck? And then the first or second band practice, we we're just like hanging out and we we're like, we, we realized we all got along super well. We all love the same music. We were vibing on all these bands. It was like super good. We we're all kind of similar age, like a little bit older than like MVD and Adam, but like me, Joel and Ben are all kind of like, now like that kind of like late 20s thing so we're all like kind of like vibing the same thing we all love the same shit so we're just like having such a good time we're drinking beers and shit at practice we never drink beers at Bellhaven because like fucks your voice shit like that and it was so casual we'd like practice for like two hours then talk shit for four hours like just like the funniest shit and then MVD was like yo I have this fucking chord progression I've been playing which was rest your head yeah and uh he was like, do you guys just want to like jam this thing? And then fucking like 15 minutes later, they've written like rest your head, like together as an instrumental jam. And I'm just like 
writing notes in my phone frantically and like trying to like come up with melodies in my head. And we ended up writing the song in like two hours and we were like, and he's like, this is the best fucking song I've ever fucking written, bro. And I was like, oh, it's good. I think that like reason to leave is better. And then like we, we, we had this song North. We, we wrote afterwards yeah. and I thought North was like fucking amazing. I always like North is still my favorite better half song, yeah, except man. for the new stuff that hasn't been released yet. But, um, uh, that and there was a song that didn't end up getting put on the record, which is now B side that will never get released. That was like a um, I can't remember what it's called, but I really liked it. There was like some weird vibe about it that I loved, and we jammed that and like so we had like eight songs and just like it just like very easily became a thing and everyone vibed and it was so just like because it was like a side project. Unless the show was good, we'd just be like, nah. Because no one cared. Everyone was just like, we just want to jam and hang out and do music. Yeah. And then if the show's good, we'll do the show. And our first like four shows were like all international support slots because we just said no to so many shows. And so this, our second show was with Being as an Ocean or something. Mm. And we we're just like, that's fucked, man. <laughs> and it was like very quickly. And then like when the EP, like we did the second single, because I remember I tracked the vocals for the second single in America. That was kind of my long tangent. I think I did a pretty good job, but not. I probably added info I didn't need to. That's but fine. We recorded the second single in America, and I was drunk as fuck. And I remember being like, "Bro, I'm the singer's vocalist." And I was like so drunk, just thought I was like top shit. And I listened to it the next day. I'm like, "Fuck, it sucks." Anyway, Santa got released. That was Mourn. It did okay. I didn't like it as much and vibe with as much. Then we finished the EP, and I showed it to some friends. And I remember. Um, a couple of the people that were now my good friends that had wanted to be in Better Half, but was kind of like, they, they were one of like those 20 people that'd be like, bro, let me be in your band. Please. That I was good friends with. Please give me a crumb. I want to just play bass lines, bro. <laughs> um, um, I was I was on a drive with a couple of them and I showed them the EP. And I remember um, pre-Reside, actually, I was in the car with Liam Ganane from Reside. Um, and we were just listening to the EP together and he was like, fuck, I wish I wrote this fucking record, dude. He's like, I mean, like, Reside are fucking sick, dude. But like, this is pre-Reside and he was just like, fuck, I wish I wrote this fucking record, dude. He's like, your voice is so sick and like, the vibe is so good. He's like, I wish this was my record. And I remember, um, then we released the record or we were about to release it. We were, uh, and then like, Resisted hit us up. Like, res like re Resist Records again was one of those like, real funny things where like, uh, MVD, no, um, Ash Hull pitched the, pitched us for like a support for a resist record tour, like Citizen or something. And Graham was like, who the fuck is this band? They're sick. And then he's like, oh, they're like really new. And then Adam was, uh, Graham from resist was like, oh, can I have the main dude's number? And he called MVD the next afternoon and was like, Hey Matt, this is Graham from resist records. And MVD is like, is this a joke? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, like. He's like, have you guys sorted like distribution for like your new record? Like, do you have something coming out? MVDs is like, nah, we were just gonna like paste like CD baby or something. And he's like, do you want to release it through Resist Records? And we we're like, like distro. He's like, no, nah, like proper like release it through the record. Like we'll do marketing and shit. And I was like, and then he told us, and Joel was like a huge Resist fan. He's like, bro, what the fuck? He's like, six months ago, you released a song I heard on Triple J, and now I'm fucking signing to Resist Records? What the fuck? So he's like, it's it's like he's fucking like teenage hardcore boys, like wet dream. He's like yeah. losing his mind. And Adam's like, I'm going to sign to a label. And we're just like, yeah, sick. Because he was just like, he was just like, whatever fucking deal you want, I just love the band. I just want to release it. Mm. And that happened. And then fucking, I remember showing the Balhaven boys, and they were like, Bro, this the, they were just like, 
this is so fucking good. And Jake was like, Jake had heard it like twice and he already like knew the whole record. And we're like in the tour van. He's like yelling the lyrics, doing the hardcore thing. Like this part's sick. And he's like moshing in the van to like the heavy parts. I'm like, oh bro. And everyone's like, dude, this is so good. And like on one tour, we listened to it like three times in a row. Like the guys just loved it that much. And then it came out and then fucking everyone thought it was like, but that we never released anything. It was like classic case of like, we, we did the singles like three years ago and then released the EP. And then we fucking just like way oversold that Cherry Bar show. And then ever since then, it was like unify, like just, just fucking cooked shit, man. Literally from like, hey, I have this fucking song. Do you want to like do like a studio project yeah. to like, please make it a band, sir. I just want to hear, <laughs> I just want to see it live. Like, and I'm not shitting on people because if, if, if it wasn't for that, then it wouldn't have been a band and it wouldn't yeah. have done the shit that it's done. But like, it's just, that story was just like one of those happy accidents kind of deal. Oh, dude. And like, I'm not going to lie, dude. I like, I fucking still sweat that record. It's like high rotation still. And I'm like, so... <laughs> fucking angry at you for taking so fucking long but i think i can forgive you as long as it's good as long as it's good um well did you like that last single uh yeah fucking it, it was um, mad i just don't think you guys like put enough like like promo into it because like i don't feel like people like, yeah. knew that it was a thing yeah i remember we saw some comments on one of the Dreambound videos for like something and it was literally like when are these guys going to release new music? People are like, bro, they put in a new single like a year ago. And he's like, I had no idea. Um, I I really like that song. Dude, the fucking um, chorus is like absolutely fucking ripping. It's like, I don't know. It's like like anthem kind of vibe. And I feel like it's a good yeah. like, crowd pleaser. But, you know, you haven't actually exactly had the chance to play it to many crowds in like the last... <laughs> Bro, I, I'm really like, I'm really into the, the new record. Like... By the time we released the first record, I thought it was, like, okay. But even at this point, I still think that the second record we've done is, like, I'm super stoked on it. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a really good continuation of that record, of, of the first one. Is and it, is it super full length? It's an EP. It's, a, it's an EP, I'm pretty sure, anyway. I don't fucking... I don't know what people classify as EP or LP yeah, anymore. Bring me I'll see, like, eight tracks. <laughs> bro, I, I'll, I'll see seven tracks and I'm like, I guess that's an album. People are like, nah, bro, it's just a big EP. I'm like, I don't fucking know what you're calling it, dog. Like, Either way, you couldn't fit the whole thing on the vinyl and that's hilarious. <laughs> bro, I would say it's an I would say it's it's an EP, but I shit you not, MVD is a machine, bro. I don't know if he's going to get pissed that I say this, whether it's meant to be, like, a secret, but, like, he bought a bass guitar and he asked me some questions and he learned how to like do basic recordings on Reaper and he wrote an album for Better Half in a week. He wrote like, <laughs> he wrote like two songs in one day. And then when he got whack, like, when he got quicker at recording, he was like, yeah, I wrote six songs today. And then he's like, oh, I wrote like another two on the third day. And he's like, the next day he's like, oh, because this was during lockdown. He's like, oh, I like amended the first two. And the next day he's like, oh, I scrapped three of them. And the next day he's like, I wrote five new songs. And we're just like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? dude?" <laughs> and some of the songs I'd be like, you wrote six songs in a day like this. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I just fuck around until something sounds good. And it just kind of like comes out. And I was like, that's the best songs, bro. Like, I mean, Rest Your Head was like that. He's like, oh, I had this chord progression that I ripped off from Basement. And it was like, <laughs> and it became a song. Like, 
And of course, I didn't know basement at the time. So that was why I luckily didn't sound as much like basement because I'd never heard the basement song. You hadn't had the I reckon chance if to rip I'd heard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's like instrumentally, it's a rip off. But like vocally, because I'd never heard of basement, I was just like, this is what I think it should be. Mm. But if I heard basement now, that song would pr- probably never get released because it would just be a basement, like straight 100% rip off every way. I think, uh, sorry, I think the, world, yes. the world is grateful for not losing that song. <laughs> it's a fucking banger. Oh, cool. I so, do like the song. You didn't like it? No, I I really like it, but oh. I definitely was like, everyone else in the band was like, this is the single. I was like, no way, North is the single. And they're like, nah, bro, this nah. is the single. No- North and then when the it became a hit. single, yes, I fully think it is. I think North is that song where- we play it at shows and it's always like more popular than you. When I say more popular, it's like more people know it than you expect it to. Cause you know, there's all those people that are like, I love better half and they know like two songs. Yeah. It's like North is like the other song that they know. It's like the other song that they think is sick. And there's still always going to be these people like, I mean, rest your head has like half a million streams on Spotify, bro. But North is the real single. Or or you'll have some guy that will be like, that second single you did back in like 2016 that no one loves. That's your best song, bro. Play that song from 2016 that no one knows, bro. It's the hardcore kids saying that because it's like, it's screaming. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, bro, it's like real heavy. And you're like, bro, no, man. I don't... It hurts, dude. Like, I have to do that for a whole fucking half hour. Fuck that. Oh, fuck. Well, actually, that, that kind of ties in. So, I wanted to ask you about, like, your vocal journey as well uh, a little bit because I know that, like, you've kind of, like, had issues over the years and, like, you've had, like, you know, peaks and troughs <laughs> and I, like, I don't know. I, I want to know, like, how you've kind of navigated that and, like, how you're going with that and, like, I don't know, where you think you're going to be, you know, coming up to do this new record and stuff. So, like, I don't know. Um... How, so like when you started Better Half, that's pretty much when you started fronting, did we like pretty uh-huh. sick with vocals then or was it like an issue back then as well? Um, I'm trying to think how to not make it a long story because it's like for myself, the, it was like a very like weird, probably to like my band, they probably think it's just yeah. like, oh, you're just fucking lazy. And like to Bellhaven, they'd probably say it's the same, but it's like. Nah, tell I'm the story. Not- I want to know. Okay, so it basically comes down to I'm not good at routine, which is funny because most people, like, I'm I'm definitely not a psychologist, but most psychologists, when someone's having a bad time, and it's not like a pre, uh, I, I can't uh, like, like a pre-existing like a, condition or yeah, like a let's say say like a predisposition to having like a mental health issues like like it runs in your family kind of thing like you have that shit gene where like your brain just like hates you um because i like it it was like a a big thing that psychs often do is they try to get you to like grab basic routines but i always fucking hate that dude like i i love the idea of like and this is a a lot of my issues sounds weird, but like a lot of my issues in my life stem from the fact that I hate routine. Like, dude, I shit you not, even like brushing your teeth every morning and night is like, I'm going to fucking brush my teeth at 2 p.m. Fuck you. Like, it's just <laughs> the dumbest shit. Dude, like David and Luke, like Luke who's now is like 
we call him number seven because he's like the seventh member of Bellhaven from when we had six members. Mm. He basically managed, like well, he's the manager of, of Bellhaven now. Um, because he's done it, he's, he's done a bunch of touring with bigger bands, so he like understands stuff. And because he's in with the bigger bands and the the managers, he can ask them for advice. So it's very easy for him to run our band. And also because he he loves the band and loves us, so it's like real easy for him. He's he's super into it. Whilst we're all burnt out from fucking trying to self manage a band and shit. Mm. Um. Anyway, that's a, that's a sidetrack thing. Literally the other day. David and Luke were teasing me because David came in to track vocals for like a new single we did with Bellhaven, right? And Hulus, they were making bets on like, what's something fucking stupid that CV is going to do whilst you're there for like two or three hours to track this song. And one of them was, he's going to randomly shave his fucking face halfway through the recording session. And I shit you not, I shit you not, we're like two thirds of the way through tracking and I go, sorry, my neck's itchy. And I go into the bathroom and grab my electric razor and just like shave my fucking neck beard and then come back two minutes later. He's like- did you shave your fucking neck? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, and, and, and he's like, and he's like, me and Luke owe each other like 20 bucks because we bet you were going to fucking shave your face halfway through the session. And also because it's not on paid time, I have like blocks of focus. So I'll be really focused. And then he'll make a joke and it will remind him of like Auntie Donna and then we'll talk shit. But anyway, sidetrack again. <laughs> I'm not good with routine. Yeah. So even when I was going to gym, um, and eating my diet, it wasn't like, like, dude, before I could put on any weight when I was like early twenties, dude, I had the fastest metabolism in the world. A lot of the issue is literally like, I would just never fucking eat. I had to like, I was, I couldn't put on any weight because I would never eat because it was like, unless my mum cooked food for me at a specific time, I would never eat. So I literally had to set alarms on my phone being like 2 PM, eat lunch, you dumbass!" Like, cause I just wouldn't eat lunch otherwise. Cause I was so absorbed in like the audio thing, like editing drums, editing guitars. Um, so it was just like, fuck dude. It's just like, and when I went to gym, some, sometimes I go to gym, I'd wake up and go at nine in the mornings. Sometimes I go to gym at 1 AM. Like sometimes I sleep, I mean, even now I still will sleep 14 hours. If, if I don't have clients coming in, I'm mixing, I'll start mixing at 3 PM and go till 4 AM and then wake up midday, then work for three hours, nap for two hours. Like, just like, but I love that. Like that makes Mm. me happy. Like that every day is like its own thing. Like I might wake up at 3 PM. My friends are like, yo, did you just wake up? I'm like, yeah. Like, do you want to get kebabs for breakfast for you? Like, to me, that's exciting, but for a lot of people, routine works. But how that ties in with the vocal journey thing, I'm, I'm trying to stay on track. No, bro. you're getting there. You're getting there. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make it relative without being like too sidetracked. Anyway, the way that's relative to the vocal journey was like um, when I was prior to the... Basically... I learned to sing because I was singing every day to clients and I, and I knew that if a client wasn't confident, which is when, when I wasn't charging much, I worked with like newer artists. So a lot of the vocals weren't as confident. I, I learned quickly that it makes the vocals com- like confident if I'm singing a melody to them just as loud and just as bad as they like, so me singing it to them just as much as they're doing it back to me or they're doing it in the microphone. So of course people get self-conscious. I mean, like you'd be used to it because you've done studio stuff and you're also confident in your vocals. But like, if you think about the fact that you're in a room and there's people sitting behind you and they hear nothing except, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. 
they're just like they're just like you feel so self-conscious when you haven't done studio time before so what i would do is like i'd like sit in the chair and they would sing the take and i just like look at them dead in the eyes and be like you should do it more like just like sing it full volume at them and just like try to like be like chill with it or be like break that and then make a comment like yeah break 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 that that like awkwardness of like yeah, and like then, like because I wouldn't try to sing to him quietly. Like, oh, maybe she'd be like, I just be like, it should be like this, just like loud. So then, like, if I was louder than them, they'd be less self conscious about being loud when the, when the room's quiet because mm. I'm being louder. And then I would have to do it with conviction, so they could be like, so they could get the vibe of like the conviction. And then from doing that every day, and I was singing like that every day for like two years, I developed my singing voice, and of course. Mm. I was really good at my diet when I was younger because I wasn't depressed and using food as a way to get fucking dopamine. So <laughs> I was like, I like, I was like, I just don't eat cheese because it blocks my nasal cavities. Like I drink a lot of water. I fucking like don't eat food that upsets my stomach and I exercise. And so my voice was just like, I could just go into a fucking session. Like I remember tracking something with Darcy, my, now my housemate, before his band Bridge the Border. I was like, oh, like he like asked me to guest on a thing. I just got in there like 15 minutes, just fucking demolish it. And I remember Cassie Sutton was there, which is actually now Darcy's girlfriend, such a weird fucking world. And and they were just like, bro, like your voice just like does it straight away. And Cassie said this thing to me once that was so sweet, but she calls it the X factor. She's like, she's like, you just have that thing where you just like do it and you know you can sing, you don't think about it, you don't be like, oh, that was fucking shit, let me, like, just fuck with my, like... She's like, you just, like, oh, that wasn't a good take, and you do it again. There's no overthinking it, you just sing it. She's like, and every time you just go at it. Um, and because I sang every day, it's that classic case of, like, I had no training, but I just do it every day, and you get good mm. at it. But then... Accidental routine. <laughs> yeah, ac- yeah, accidental routine. But when I started working with bands that were confident and I didn't have to try to make them comfortable, I started getting lazy and I started doing things. Like, and like when I got the piano in the studio, I started being like, oh, do, do a melody like this. Ding, 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 ding. Like on the, on the piano. Or I'd like just do it as like the low octave and then sing it higher. And I just started getting like lazy. And then um, because I was making way more money mm. and I moved out of Hurstbridge and Uber Eats was a thing, I started eating junk food because I could afford it. And then I fucking, like, stopped exercising because, like, I lived out of home and uh, I guess girls found me a bit more attractive because I had my own space and they could stay at my house because my Christian mum wouldn't be like, girls can't stay over. Like, so suddenly it just became this, like, I don't need the gym. I don't need to sing every day. And it just became, like, my voice was, like, my attitude was still there, but my actual, like, muscles and practice wasn't. So I'd find myself getting, like, really pissed off because I'm, like... I fucking can just do this. Every time I've like gone and tracked vocals, I can just do it. Yeah, sometimes I'll get like a little voice break or I'll fuck the timing or I don't quite hit the note or like maybe I need to take like a five minute break. But I was like, I know I can do this. And then because the accidental routine had worn off, I realized that if I wasn't going to sing like that to clients every day, that I had to consciously practice. Mm. And I just fucking had hated it dude and then we stopped just like with like Bellhaven and Better Half we stopped just taking shows to just play shows and doing tours just to play tours so I was just singing less and less and so I was just so out of practice man like sorry it's fucking mic stand I was just so out of practice and then I started eating cheese again I stopped working out and I fucking got laid and it's just like and then but then 
one of the big things was this was actually the second big poo card of my voice is I got glandular fever and I had it for a long time before I knew it. So I was still working my fucking like 60 hour weeks and I was never sleeping and I didn't know I was sick. I just thought I was like a bit under the weather. And then after three months of feeling like shit, I was like, something's wrong. And I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you have mono. And I was like, what the fuck? And I remember my girlfriend at the time's mum being like, oh, you're just a fucking sook. She literally was like, you're just a sook. You're not sick. <laughs> She's like, you're just lazy and all this stuff. Oh, and I remember fuck. being like, fuck you, bitch. I have fucking glandular fever. You want to kiss? I'll get you sick. Like, um, <clears throat> And then, so that, and then also my voice was just like so hoarse all the time. And I was like, what's going on? And then it was like, well, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, like fucked up your throat. And then mm. I developed- because I wasn't looking after myself and I've always had kind of like, I'm like not technically like compromised, but I'm just not good at taking care of myself because of no routine. I've had like a weak immune system for most of my life. Um, so I also developed tonsillitis because I wasn't resting and taking care of myself that my immune system was so weak from trying to fight glandular fever that I got sick on top of it. So I was getting like fevers, tonsillitis, glandular fever, and I just couldn't sing for like, I, I ended up having glandular fever for like five months, like something stupid. That's and fucked. a lot of people, and like, I, I didn't know this, but I couldn't sing for like a year. Like even after glandular fever, I couldn't sing. And I was like, oh, it's just like, I'm not practicing. And I had all these like reasons. And then I spoke to my doctor about it. I was like, I can't sing. My, and my doctor was like, you know, like people have gone blind from having glandular fever for so long and not taking care of themselves that their body just shuts down and they'll go blind. Like, he's like, he's like, obviously, like, it doesn't happen all the time. He's like, but there's a, but there's a chance that your voice, like, because of having tonsillitis and not taking care of yourself, that you've, like, not permanently damaged your voice, but, like, your voice is just fucked and it's going to take a while to get it back. So then for ages, I just, like, couldn't sing. I was trying to sing, I was trying to sing, and then I fucking hated practicing. And it was just, like... Just fucking nightmare of like, I miss when I could just go up to the microphone just and just sing. There was no thinking about it because I just like, all I cared about was like my attitude and my conviction. And it was just this like battle with my fucking voice. And then eventually it just like came to a head where it was kind of like MVD being like, MVD's a bit of like a stoic guy and he's like a real good, like he's one of the boys and the way that he like, shows his you know you always hear about like that classic thing of like toxic masculinity mm. he he comes across on the surface a bit like he's one of those like toxic masculine guys but he's actually like really caring he's just like such a bloke about it mm. um and so he was actually trying to show you he loves he, you in the only way he knows <laughs> yeah yeah and and like the, and like the way that he did it was like a weird way but i could tell what his point was and he basically was just kind of like he's like look, even if your voice is only 80% as good as it was, he's like, you're still better than 99% of vocalists in Australia. And he's like, so even if you're never going to have your voice as good as it is, like, you know, as, as, as good as it was, it doesn't mean that you just like your career's ruined because you can't sing as good as you used to because you damaged your voice from glandular fever. He's like, you can still do the records, just may not sound as good. He's like, as, as long as you have the attitude- yeah, he was like, he was like, as long as you have the attitude and it feels genuine, he's like, it doesn't matter. So I was like, okay, I'll just record the fucking record. Who cares? And so I just recorded the record and everyone was like, bro. Oh, by the way, this isn't a thing, but I'm doing devil horns. <laughs> I was just like, bro. I was like, bro. And then like, yeah, it was just like, 
it was like his his way of being like you got to stop being so hard on yourself, man. Like you're still really good, even if it's like like him him admitting like I know you're not as good as you used to be and you have less control, but you're still better than most people and you don't have a bad voice. So just like fucking do it. Mm. And then so I just became like that, and then we did a bunch of stuff real quick and like. And even now, man, like even tracking this new stuff, like I was fighting with it for so long and MVD was like, remember what I said last time when you were getting so stressed about it? He's like, 99% of people won't hear shit you hear. Like you'll think it's a bad take and other people just be like, sick. So there's literally stuff on like this, this new record that I've nearly finished where it's like, I just use the demo takes because on the day when I did the fucking takes... I was like, I still like the demo takes better. So the demo takes like the main takes. So it's like every song is like a quarter demo takes because that day my voice felt a bit better or like I was vibing it more. And mm. I was like, at the end of the day, man, if like the other guys in the band listen to it and they're like, yeah, sick, then like that's what matters yeah. because they're like the, the listeners for me. They don't hear it except after I send it to them. Um, so if they like it, then that's all that matters because it means that other people are going to be the- it's and a good way at to the end of the day, like, people well. like different stuff. Yeah, dude, 100%. So, I actually, like, at the end of the day, like, MVD's always been really good at, like, me and MVD used to butt heads a lot, like, and I actually didn't enjoy a better half for a while because he tried to be so serious with it. But at the end of the day, he's, like, a really good dude and we're that kind of, we have that kind of friendship where, like, we won't talk for six months and then we're still just, like, tight, like... Like when I like I hadn't spoken to him in like three months, and I sent him that message being like, "Well, like I'm gonna do the thing," and he just replies with, "I'll believe it when I see it, cunt." It's just like I'm like, we're still tight, man. Like, mm, it's yeah, like, like the like, banter. I know, there. like I know what he's like. Yeah, like the banter's there straight away, and like he's like upset and pissed because he wanted the record to be done, but he's like, like I want you to enjoy it, kind of thing. And he actually messaged me like at the start of lockdown. I was like, yo, man, like, this is not coming from, like, an angry spot. This is coming from, like, a, do you still want to do the band? Is that, like, he's like, he's like, is that why the record's not done? And I was like, dude, no, it's not like that. It's literally just, like, me and my fucking head with my voice. And, like, I miss that I could just do that. But shit fucking changes, man. You just got to adapt to it. And at the end of the day, my, my philosophy of not having any routine kind of serves me well because now I have this, like interesting story of like what's my voice gonna be like today am i gonna be able to not do high screams is it gonna sound like a fucking dying horse and like i think because people that are fans of the band know that i've got this weird thing with my voice that like it's kind of funny if i play a show and i can't scream it's just like well today's not a good vocal day like and it's just like ultimately if you have the character there like who cares as one of my fucking southern american friends from texas said to me when we tour in the usa he's like you're not justin bieber you're playing rock and roll bro if you yeah, can't dude. sing the day just fucking go at it dude like if you go at it no one cares he's like look at the chariot bro they can't even play the instruments but they fucking go at it it's like the whole vibe is it's just rock baby <laughs> yeah dude. it's like that's the fucking it's like this is literally screaming music like literally mm. what you're doing is making like the most fucked noise that you can and that's supposedly yeah. like a profound thing okay cool <laughs> like <laughs> Dude, 100%. It's like, how do you explain to someone why you like screaming? Like, anyone that doesn't hear screaming is like, what the fuck, dude? It must be so weird to people that don't listen to screaming music. It's so funny because like, I, I went from working at, like, um, like this corporate job to, like, working at, like, JB Hi-Fi. Um, mm. And, like, it's so funny just, like, surrounding myself with those, like, corporate people that, like, I show them, like, what I do and they're like, I don't understand, like, even, like, 1%. Like, why? 
Like, just, just can you stop showing me? And I'm like, okay, cool. You are so. And then, like, you know, I show, like, people that are, like, from... Because, like, people who work at JB, like, there's, a, like, a whole alternative, like, kind of culture thing, which is, like, really popular just because it's, like, I don't know, the kind of people that they hire. Um, mm. And, yeah, like, it's it's weird. Like, all these people, like, they get it. And it's, like, I find it so funny. It's, like... <laughs> You walk from, like, one room to another and it's, like, everyone gets it or, like, no one gets it. Yeah. It's, like, the classic case of, like, everyone that likes screaming music, anyone that doesn't, they're, like, they're a normie. It's, like, it's like a, they, they, they pretend it's, like, a completely separate yeah. world. And sometimes it is. It's, like, a completely separate world. Literally just because of music taste. Mm. It's, like, an in- entirely different world. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't even matter, like, because I know, like, in, in, like, heavy stuff, like, there's all the subgenres or whatever. And it's, like, it doesn't matter, like... That there's a people who get it who like they could listen to fucking death metal and be like hardcore sucks, but they'll like listen to it and they'll be like I get it as opposed to, like yeah. you know uh, like you said normie it's just like I'm sorry but um <laughs> you lost me at uh, double kicks. <laughs> what is that noise, dude? I still remember. Um, I I still tell this story to these days like. Going to a story so far album stream on YouTube, and one of the top rated comments is like, fuck, I love death metal or something, or like, fuck, like, I love metal music. And everyone's like, dude, this is not metal music. And the people's like, I don't know if it's a troll comment, but either way, it's so funny because it's just like, well, he's yelling. It's like, bro. You like you hear stories of fun, you think it's aggressive, so it must be metal. It's like, bro, you are in for a treat, dude. But then what if it's like they listen to like um, can't effects and they're like, sounds the same to me because it's just like so aggressive. Like, yeah. either way, story so far and can't effects is just in that other world that to them it's the same thing. But for us, it's like, bro, story so far is like the softest shit in comparison to like can't effects. you know that this is a sub genre of <laughs> pop punk? <laughs> Post rock shoegaze jazz. Oh, fuck. It's so true, though. I mean, like, it's cool. It's cool. I think. I mean, I, I love the people who don't get it. Uh, they're just like, yeah, this is sick though. And Because like, yeah. I had this crazy interaction. I think I might've told you about it. Where like this dude I work with, uh, or I used to work with, he was like a tradie. Um, and like, we were just like working one day uh, in the same space. And like, I was playing my playlist and um, fucking Rest Your Head came on. And he was like singing along. And I'm like, dude, how the fuck do you know this? And like, this guy he only listens to, like Triple M, like top 40, like just yeah. like normie shit on the radio and he's like oh yeah just i don't know came from my like spotify playlist i don't know i've got a couple of playlists it's sick and i'm like you are like so far detached from like any of this world but yeah. it's like oh you're into this that's that's kind of fucking cool it's like i don't yeah. know normies i don't know there's like that crossover for people that are like oh i just like good music you know yeah it's actually funny i have a i have a story um, that's like a short story actually, but I think it's a funny story, which as soon as you said that, it fully reminded me of that was like, Darcy has, um, Darcy has a bunch of friends from high school that he still hangs with. And one of them came to my house once and, um, our house. And he goes, <laughs> okay, boss. And he goes, yeah, it's my house, bro. Um, and he's like, oh, by the way, I met, like, this This story at first will sound like I'm throwing shade at this girl, but this girl is, like, lovely. We don't, we're not close anymore, but, like, there's no, like, beef. We're, like, Gucci. We just don't talk. Yeah, was, anyway, was, fuck like, this was, like, bitch, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> anyway, 
But like at first it will seem like I'm throwing shade, but it's just like one of those like weird fucking misunderstanding things. But it's like this guy comes up to me and goes, Oh, I met one of your ex-girlfriends at a party, by the way. Mm. Um and I'm not gonna say her name because I don't want to just like in case people know her or like embarrass her or anything like that. And I was like, Oh, who? And he says this girl's name, and I was like, Who the fuck is that? <laughs> and he's like, and uh <clears throat> And he's like, oh, like she said you guys dated for like three or six months. And I was like, I've never dated anyone by that name. And then um, I was like, who could it be? And I was like, I was like, wait, can you like e- explain this story to me? Um, no, sorry. I didn't say that. For, sorry. Next part was I was like, I was like, can you tell me like a better? And he's like telling me her age and he's like telling me what, um, like telling me like, what like where the party was and like where she like what area she lives and he's like oh she kind of lives around this box hill area like all this stuff i'm just doxing myself fucking who cares um and uh and then she's like sorry and and then he's like oh um she's like works uh, i can't remember what she does now exactly but it's like something in like the sex work industry i'm trying to think like what what girl would i have known that i dated and I was like, oh, maybe she changed her name or something. Or she's one of those people that like, oh, I want to go by this name now. And I'm just like, fuck. Like, I can't, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's like someone has like, I just like couldn't figure it out. And then he's like telling me what she looks like. And then he shows me a photo on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, and I was like, I was like, I never called her that, but I knew that her family called her that name. But I was like, but I never called her by that name. Mm. So I forgot that people called her that. And so he didn't know that what, he didn't know what her full name was, which is what (laughs) I knew her by. And I was like, oh, and I was like, bro, wait, what? We never dated. And then like, I asked him what happened. And it, it was one of those things where it's like, it was like, what had happened was, it wasn't that she was lying. It was that like, she just like, we had like a fling where we were seeing each other for a bit, but it's like, it's just so much easier to be like, we, we dated for a short period, but it, but it wasn't like she'd like lied or changed the story. But at first I thought it was just some random girl changing the story. And so when he, when he told me what, like how the, what, how this conversation happened was like, he didn't know that this girl knew me and mm. this girl didn't know that he knew me. And then, um, he put his, his playlist on at this party. He's like 40 people and rest your head was on the playlist. And she's like, she's like, yo, is this better half? And he's like, yeah, do you, do you know them? She's like, yeah, I used to date the vocalist. We like dated for a little bit. And, um, he's like, what? Like CV. And she's like, CV. And of course the whole CV thing was like after me and her had a thing, like everyone started calling me CV and I started introducing myself as CV after that. So she didn't know this whole CV thing. (laughs) And then she's like, what? CV. And he's like, I don't know what his fucking name is. And then she's like, Oh wait, Christopher Vernon. It's like his initial. She like figured it out. He's like, I didn't know this is fucking. He's like, I knew it was Chris. But I didn't know what his surname was, so I didn't know what the fuck CV is. I just know him as CV. And then he was like, Oh, that's sick, blah blah. And then like, and I was like, Bro, I was like, That's not really what happened. But like, to be fair, like, I don't expect it to be like, 
oh, we like met at a show and then like there was like a fling. Like she was just like being like, I know the vocalist or we, yeah. it was just her way of being like. And so I was like, I was like, man, I haven't spoken to her in so long, but she's like Gucci. I was like, that's still so sick that she like is excited by that stuff. Like to me, that's really cool that it's mm. like, um, because like it doesn't appeal to my, um, it doesn't appeal to like the narcissistic part of me. It more appeals to like, it's cool that, people associate the sound of music with me because it's like, it's like my whole life in like a weird way. Like music's such a, like such a cool thing for me that it's like for someone to hear a song and be like, I know this guy. And then them just become friends. Like they didn't really know each other, but they just became kind of like close because they'd heard the song. Mm. And then they were just like sharing their little, like I, I didn't know Darcy's friend very well. I'd met him a couple of times, but we'd always had like a good experience. Like we just had a beer or two and like bantered and like me and her had like a, like we were like close for a little bit and we haven't spoken in years now, like four or five years, but it was just like cool hearing that stuff. Mm. Um, but, but like your, your story kind of reminded me of that, but I just thought that was like such a good story. Cause, cause also because like Andy was there and I was like, I didn't date that girl. What the fuck? It was like, like to me, like, and again, like people can say what they want, but it was, it was one of those things where it was like, this is totally off topic, like, so it doesn't even matter, but it was just very much, to me, it was, like, a very obvious we didn't date thing, but it could be, like, the way people take things, like, she could have perceived it more as dating than, like, I thought it was more casual and we never really spoke about it. Yeah. But so, for Andy, it was, like, what the fuck? And I was, like, I don't know how to, like, explain this whole thing to everyone, but... But yeah, so that was my random fucking story with that shit. And like, I think that's so cool, man. Also, mm. like, people from high school will be at a party, like, friends I knew from high school... And they'll be like, man, that sounds like this, because they don't listen to my music because no one listens to that music. And they'll be like, man, this sounds so much like this kid I went to high school with. Like, and they'll be like, oh, this band's called Better Half. And like, this is the band from the kid I went to high school with. And they'll be like, what? You know that guy? And they're like, of course, everyone from high school knows me. Like, you know me, but they just think I'm just some like fucking loser that makes shit jokes. Whilst these people that are fans of the band that don't know me be like, yeah, his band's so sick, bro. Or like, I've literally heard people before <laughs> say that I'm mysterious because I don't really have banter on stage. And I'm like, mysterious, bro. You don't know me, man. Like, you definitely don't know me, dude. I'm not bro, mysterious anyway. Up, bro, and after that it's fucking uh, it's game over right i've never heard him talk cars like <laughs> but yeah it's just like but like but like everyone from high school is like bro he's the biggest fucking like nerd dude ever and he's just a psycho <laughs> so it's just like he like funny here and that shit that's so good i love that and i love i love your fucking band and put out the fucking record do it do it now <laughs> i'm glad that it's wait, like pretty much done wait which one uh, Better half. Doing both. I mean, look, they're both pretty <laughs> much done. Just fucking put them out in the same day. Just give me something to do. Like honestly, the Bellhaven record will come out soon. It's just like trying to figure out that whole like release thing has been so weird because there's obviously multiple bands that are all trying to release stuff, and then there's arguments about like whether it's worthwhile releasing COVID and just like. Yeah. But we've done like everything. It's been ready for a few months now. Just like it's good to go. Just trying to like make it work. Yeah. Um, and it's always nice as well knowing. Some some bands strive so hard to be, like, relevant. And I just mm. kind of accepted, like, you just... I Like, I've had friends, bands, like, dude, like, Polaris. I remember the first tour we did with Polaris. Like, um, we played Melbourne and they, like, 
ev- like everywhere else had a bigger audience than us, but in Melbourne it was like they're still a good audience. But it was like half the size of us because we're like from Melbourne. And that was only like four years ago. I know. And I know. They I think fucking I saw- sell out the forum. Were, were they at like were, workers they club that- with stories? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, don't, I don't think I was, was there. I saw pictures from that, but I was thinking about at the Irish. Didn't you guys like play one like with... No, it wasn't with that band. Never mind. It wasn't with Polaris. I think Polaris played like the week after you guys, so... Ah, uh, okay. But anyway. Uh, right. But like that shit. But anyway, what we're saying is like staying relevant, but it's like it's it's cool to know that even when we haven't done something for so long that people still just being like, man, I hope that Bell- Bellhaven didn't break up. Like, I just want them to do music, regardless of whether you're the biggest band in the world. It's just cool, like, when you love music and other people love your music and it's not like some popularity contest or trying to stay relevant. It's just purely like, I mean, the reason we love music, even before we were doing music, was like, because you love it and it makes you feel something. So, mm. when other people just genuinely love it and they want to listen to it, not because of like trying to get in your pants or having some popularity contest. It's so sick it feels so genuine. Mm. And like, that's the shit that I love about music. I but just, I don't even know how I got to that. <laughs> I just love the cocaine and the ladies, bro. That's all I'm Yeah, uh, The rock and roll, baby. It's the best shit in the world. Bro, so dude, I saw it's really sad, but did you see that hard times thing that was like it's like such a classic meme and it's kind of fucked up, but also really funny at the same time. Was the um MGK meme that was like, um, yeah, oh my god, and he dude. like rev- revolutionizes pop punk by dating someone his age or something, and I was like, bro, fuck, dude. Like, it's funny, but it's also just, like, so sad that people know what that means. Dude, like, it's the only missing experience, like, the missing ingredient in your in your band's success, dude. Like, it's the missing bro, ingredient. You need that. Just gotta be a fucking Terrible person. dude that just, like, <sighs> bro, fucking hell. Fucking hell, man. Well, on that note... What a great way to fucking end the pod. I think I think that's, <laughs> oh, that's how we need to close out. Just fucking, yeah, just date date a kid. Pretty much, we covered off everything I think we I wanted to talk about. Like, we went through and did, like, the entire, you know, story of your, like, creative career. And, like, you know, now you're a fucking big boy producer full-time, actually making money, doing music, unlike fucking mm-hmm. 99% of us. So, thank you for your time, man. Um Couple things. First thing, I like to play a yes. song on the outro. I reckon probably your last better half single because I love it. But is there a song that you want to play on the outro? Does it have to be from my any of my own bands? Oh, I mean, you can choose not to, but it's kind of a cuck move. Come on, don't tease me. Yeah, it's like you like it's like you it's like you're trying to be some fucking hero by not playing your own fucking song, like. Bro, I'm so humble, bro. I don't even <laughs> plug my own music. No, I don't know. It's like a weird one. Um, or maybe a deep cut. Some people don't know. Like, my... um, It's weird, but like, I'd kind of like, after talking about it, it's, it's like, I'd kind of want to do North. Fuck yes. Because, okay, good choice. Because it's like my... It's like, as we said, it's like that... What did you call it? Like a quiet single? It's like it's like a slow burn. It's like um, it doesn't hit you right away, but like once you get it, it's like yes. But like yeah. it grows on people over like the period mm. of the record being out. I would say North would be my song that I'd choose to be like the Fuck outro. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm glad you chose the correct song because otherwise we would have had an issue. But 
Otherwise, bro, the unedited version where you were like doing fucked up shit that would get you cancelled, that's getting released, bro. Yeah, dude, I'm going <laughs> to compile everything that you said like, about like white supremacy, dude. That's going in the pod, dude. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally that conversation we had about like the humor is just like how fucking stupid it is that it's funny to people like it's so fucking oh, dumb man fuck. just for the record no one here is a white supremacist okay don't be a cunt please for the love of god just be a nice person bro how oh. can you be like a supremacist of like clearly the inferior race out of any other race in existence Oh, fuck. Dude, just be a fucking, like, a human supremacist, okay? At least, like, f- like just fucking Bro. hate something that isn't people. I'm cool with that. Just hate something else. Bro, 100%. Aliens is, like, it's, like, edgy to hate aliens, bro. Dude, just fucking hate music, okay? Do that. I, th- I think that's... Bro. I think that's why we should end the fucking pod. Yeah. Like, yeah, music is shit, and... Music I'm- sucks, man. And and Chris is the best. Um, can you plug like all your shit? I, I I want to make sure that every. I mean, this podcast at this stage is practically a free advertising platform for you because literally right. every single guest that we have on, uh, well, actually not literally, <laughs> but pretty much every single guest that's come on has been like, yeah. So Chris Vernon is a fucking man. So at this stage, like. <laughs> You should be paying me for fucking advertisement, but go to Bro, his website and book him because he's a sick cunt. Um, what's your website? Uh, it's www.c for Chris, cvernonproducer.com. Um, dot rn because Don't. I'm popular in Russia. <laughs> okay, no, le- legit, it's www.cvernonproducer.com. Oh, awesome, awesome. That's the and legit thing. Where else can people find you and the music you do on, like, platforms? Where do you want them to go? Uh, for myself, I use Spotify. I know people think it's, like, a debatable thing, but at the end of the day, I just, like, listen to music. I don't really fucking care. I think people make money from ticket sales and merch, so I don't fucking care. Anyway, Spotify's got, like, Better Half stuff and Bellhaven stuff. And a lot of bands that I've worked with, you can actually search my name on Spotify, which is cool, and find most of the songs that I've done guest vocal spots on as well, which is a new thing I found that's really cool. If you search uh, Christopher Vernon, and sometimes it comes up with my producer credits as well, which is sick. Um, I should probably make a playlist of all the bands I've worked with. That would be a cool thing. Uh, In terms of socials, I mostly use Instagram. I think Twitter's a cesspool of just like people trying to be better than everyone. And I think people should try to get along. Unless you're a piece of shit, then go fuck yourself. But again, that's where people go to say that shit on Twitter. Um, So I'm just as bad as everyone else on Twitter. Um, I don't really use Snapchat. So that's piece of shit. (laughs) Facebook's Facebook's for like old mums that love conspiracy theories that have nothing else better to do. Which is why. And so, yeah, I just say Instagram's like, Instagram's my thing. Sometimes I'm on Messenger, but like, yeah, I feel like my Instagram's probably the best. And that's just C Vernon producer. And I still don't even post much on that. Basically, I'm just like a hermit, bro. And the, and the only way to talk to me is through email. Like even when you contacted me like two days later, I'm like, oh, can you send it to my email? So I actually get it done, bro. Or just like turn up at my house and be like, bro, I sent you an email three days ago. And I could just, I could do that and just tell you I sent an email and never have sent the email. And you'd be like, well, I guess this is happening now. Yeah, yeah, bro, exactly. I'm like, oh, sorry, I must have missed it. And you've already like 80% doxxed yourself so far. So I think there's like a good market for people trying to get a record done on the channel. Bro, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah bro. Dude, we paid the deposit. You got the email. Yeah, yeah, bro, for sure. <laughs> bro, I paid the email in doxing myself. So oh, I paid fuck. the deposit in doxing myself.
It's all good. It's all good. I, I've, I've, I know I've got my next record covered, but. Uh, <laughs> Bro, awesome, man. It's so yeah. good to talk to you. I'm so glad I got you on the pod because, yeah, like I said, talk about you a lot in here because you're the fucking man in Melbourne for getting sick tunes done. And I hope everyone who listens to this fucking books you and gives you all the money. And then you can have a fucking Ferrari and then you can record music off a MacBook in your Ferrari because, you know, you're fucking I was going to say in my Ferrari. Dude, yeah, we'll just like fucking plug the mics directly into the Ferrari and just like, let's go. Hit that, bro, hit that gas yes, pedal. That'll be so good. Yeah, bro. I'll be all about that. All right. All right. Let's fucking wrap this up. I will say right. goodbye to you for real uh, in a sec, but let's say bye to people at home who are listening to this pod. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the highly edited version of this pod because I like to talk a lot of rubbish. And I hope that you do a good job editing this, Hayden. I'm not. And I'm I'm sorry. And thank you to all the previous guests who've had nice things to say about me. I don't know if I deserve it. I've only listened to some of them or parts of them. The only full one I listened to was Jared from Bloom because we have like a secret love thing going on that you can't tell Andy about. So you probably have to edit that out of the pod. But yeah, thanks for having me and like just having casual banter and not making it feeling forced. That's, that's, That's always fun. Nah, dude, I, trust me, I can make this feel forced. Just, just say the word. (laughs) You just like, don't, there's like no segue. You're just like, cool. Anyway, so what's the first car you bought? I have done, I have done an interview (laughs) like that before. Like the guy would ask me a question and I'd like answer it and he'd just like nod his head. And then I'm obviously not going to say it because the dude was lovely. He just wasn't great at it. And he just like nod his head. Mm. And then when I'd answer the question, he'd be like, cool. And like, wouldn't even like acknowledge it and just ask like the next question that didn't relate at all. I was like, oh man, you don't want to be here, do you? Like, why are you doing this? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So thanks anyway. for making it good. Um, I don't yeah, know if thanks, there's anything else I should say. Thanks for acknowledging that I'm the say. best interviewer on the platform. Um, Bro, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty well aware. Thanks to Hayden for knowing my shit. And yeah, thanks people that listen. And sorry again for all the banter, but I think we had fun. Don't apologize. This was good. I'll um let, let's wrap this up. But bye bye world. See you later. Fucking bye 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 bye. I was always told that if you love someone, then don't worry, cause they'll stay. Despite the distance and the time away. But then she came. And everything changed Now I rarely see your face And that's okay Blame
was wrong, though.